0: Our second scripture lesson comes to us today from Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 through 10. Listen now to what God is saying to the church. Thus says the Lord, Cursed are those who trust in mere mortals and make mere flesh their strength, and whose hearts turn away from the Lord. They shall be like a shrub in the desert, And shall not see when relief comes. They shall live in the parched places of the wilderness, in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it is not anxious, and it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is devious above all else. It is perverse. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, test the mind and search the heart to give all according to their ways, according to the fruit of their doings. This is the word of the Lord. The first thing... Tom Brady does when he wakes up in the morning (laughs) is drink a 20 ounce glass of water infused with electrolytes. He then downs a smoothie loaded with bananas, blueberries, nuts, and various seeds. During his morning workout, he continues to drink electrolyte infused water and follows this up with a protein shake. Tom Brady drinks between 12 to 25 glasses of water a day, every day. Brady then eats a lunch filled with vegetables. His personal chef does not ever use white flour, white sugar, MSG, iodized salt, nightshades, whatever those are, or dairy. Brady avoids meat. He avoids yogurt. He avoids white bread and white rice. The man doesn't even drink coffee. He swears that this diet gives him an edge, and after seeing him in the Super Bowl year after year, maybe, just maybe, he is on to something. To be clear, this isn't just Brady's diet on game day. This is his diet every single day. You are what you eat, they say, and when the heat is on, what's been sustaining you all along shows. Scott Jurek is one of the best ultramarathoners of all time. He ran the entire length of the Appalachian Trail in 46 days, averaging close to 50 miles per day. He also holds the U.S. record for most miles run in a day at 165.7 miles run in 24 hours. Scott, too, is incredibly conscious of his diet. For breakfast, Jurek is really into green drinks and makes shakes consisting of ingredients such as barley grass, arugula, spinach, and spirulina Whatever that is, Neil Dunavant can probably fill us in. (laughs) He rounds this out with bananas, mangoes, and protein powder. Like Brady, he eats this way all the time. He swears that his plant-based diet helps him recover faster and endure longer than any other runner. You are what you eat, they say, and when the heat is on, when the heat comes, what's been sustaining you all along shows. John Alexander, director of music and principal organist of First Presbyterian Church, begins every morning with copious amounts of Dunkin' Donuts coffee, (laughs) followed up by at least one meal at the corner slice. He swears this strict diet, keeps him in tip-top organ-playing shape. I'm just kidding, John. When the heat comes, when the heat is on, what's been sustaining you all along shows What's the source of your power? What fuels you when you need it most? What has been sustaining you all along? In our scripture lesson for this morning, Jeremiah puts the same question to his community. At the time of his writing, foreign powers were threatening Jeremiah's people. The Israelites are under siege. To make things worse, chapter 14 lets us know that there was a literal drought in the land threatening their very existence. Things go from bad to worse when it becomes apparent that his community will soon be exiled to Babylon, swept away from their homes, taken far from everything they know. It is a time of existential crisis for Israel and his community is feeling the heat. What will sustain them in this time of hardship? Jeremiah lays out their choices. Cursed are those who trust in mere mortals and strength, whose hearts turn away from the Lord, Jeremiah says. They will be like shrubs in the desert and shall not see when relief comes. They shall live in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land, not looking good. Alternatively, those who look to the Lord for sustenance, those who trust in God day in and day out, will be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. These people, Jeremiah tells us, will not fear when the heat comes, and in the year of the drought, they shall not be anxious or cease to bear fruit. When the heat comes, what's been sustaining you all along shows. What interests me most about this passage is not that Jeremiah says that we should trust in the Lord Or that he says we are cursed if our hope is rooted in mere mortals. These sentiments show up many times in scripture. What's most interesting to me is that Jeremiah says that even those who have trusted in the Lord, those who have been sustained by the Lord all along, those who have been rooted in the right places, even these people will still face seasons of great hardship. When the heat comes, Jeremiah writes, not if heat comes, in the year of the drought, Jeremiah writes. And make no mistake, the droughts of life will come. Sometimes the heat is on and the drought comes even to those who have been faithful all along. Sometimes we find ourselves in the desert In the wilderness, with the sun bearing down on us, surrounded by a landscape that looks barren as hell, cracked and all dried up, void of all the color we once knew. Everyone sees times like this. Which, of course, brings up that troublesome age-old question, why, oh why, does a good God let the heat come to those who love him? Why do there have to be droughts at all? The good thing about the Bible is that we get to hold every scripture passage in conversation with all the other scriptures. We don't have to read verses in a vacuum. And for questions of why does the heat come, there's no better book than Job, that classic text of tackling why bad things happen to good people. You might remember that Job is described as a good, God-fearing person who has put his trust in God for a long time. Job's as good as they come. Why do we find ourselves in places of drought? Why does the heat pour down on even the best people? Why? Why, Job asks of God, after losing his children, his wealth, and his health? There are uh, some brilliant theological thinkers who tackle this question and I encourage you to read those theologians. They are worth reading. But I don't know that their answers are ultimately what we need. I had a, uh, a professor in seminary who points out that Job never gets his why. Job isn't privy to the why bad things happen answer and neither are we. What Job does get is a who. We get God. We get a good God who meets us even in the desert of our lives. We get a who whose love sustains us, and that ultimately proves to be enough. It's enough because eventually we see that the who completely overwhelms the why to the point where the why is small in comparison to the greatness and goodness of God. It's all too wonderful for me, Job says. Which brings us back to Jeremiah. When Jeremiah says, Cursed are those whose hope is only immortals, let's be clear. It is not God who curses us. We curse ourselves when we make human beings our ultimate hope. This does not mean that we don't hope for the best in people. It does, however, mean that they aren't the ones that sustain us when we need them most. Because at the end of the day, even the best politicians will fail us. At the end of the day, modern medicine, as wonderful as it is, will fail us. And in the end, even our family and friends who love us most cannot shield us from the droughts that come. We curse ourselves when we haven't been sustained by trust in God all along, Because when the help we do need comes, we don't know how to recognize it. As Jeremiah puts it, they shall not see when relief comes. It's not that the relief doesn't come, you see. It's that if we haven't been sustaining ourselves by the right kind of hope and trust all along, we have a much harder time seeing it. Our souls are designed to be sustained by God and God alone. Nothing else will do. I think that um, for many of us, our hearts have been especially heavy this last week as we learned about the accident that took David Massey's life. Um, We ache for the Massey family. Some things that happen feel like a gut punch, um, and we're we're left not knowing what to do or to say. And I don't think that we will ever have a why that satisfies our answers for why something like this can happen. And yet I know that I'm not the, uh, the only one who is blown away by how the Massies have responded to this tragedy. It doesn't make the tragedy any less real. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. But it is clear where this family has placed their hope. Their hope is in the Lord, and they have shown how to bear fruit in a crisis In what looks to the outside like the most desolate desert any of us can imagine. They write of gratitude to doctors and nurses who did their best. They write in awe of David's giving spirit that he would help others live through the giving of his very body. They write of knowing that David is with his Savior now. Is there any doubt what's been sustaining that family all along? Even when their hearts are broken, they bear fruit. Our prayer for them is that in this time, they continue to be sustained by the God where they have rooted their hope all along. The God of Jeremiah is the same God that is dying to love us in Jesus Christ. This God knows what it is like to suffer, to ache, to lose that which is most dear to us, because this God put on flesh and dwelt among us. This God conquers death. And only God can and will sustain us when we need him most. God's love never, ever ceases. When the heat comes, what's been sustaining us all along shows. One more thing. I want to be clear that this is not a story about individual people and how we can get an edge in the game of life, Tom Brady and Scott Jurek style. We are not individual trees trying to survive all alone by ourselves out in the desert. The beautiful thing about the church is that we are there for each other. We remind each other where our true sustenance comes from. We help each other stay rooted. We help point out the relief when it comes. We are in this together, and when the heat comes... We do not have to face the droughts of life alone. In the end, even the best diets will fail us. And even though it doesn't seem like it, someday even Tom Brady will grow old and Scott Jurek will get slow. But the one source that gives us life and life abundant never fails. God is enough. That source is enough. That's all we need when the heat comes. May we learn to sustain ourselves in that hope. Thanks be to God. Amen.